You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome to All the Things. Happy Saturday. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Krista Bontrager. Yes. And I, I'm supposed oh. to have the show notes up, and I don't. There we go. The cue sheets. Well, you know. Um, I'm trying to talk into the mic, but you know, sometimes I go willy-nilly and do my own thing. <laughs> Welcome to All the Things, the show where we talk about all things related to God, life, and the Bible. Yes. And yes. Uh, helping us on the show tonight is Bob... And his camera isn't working. It's all very sad. Hello there. <laughs> well, his microphone's working. There it is. There it is. And the girls are in the other room. We're all hunkered down here in the house. Yes, Laura Hartley just posted on YouTube that they have Stay Home Texas. Oh, my. Yes. So now you're all there. Nikki's tuning in. She says, hello. My husband is here with me tonight. Yay. Welcome. Hey, David. Welcome, David. And Theo is here. As I remember, Theo is from Australia. Australia. Yeah. Australian viewer. And I've got the noisy mouse tonight because I left the other mouse at work. That's okay. I have allergies tonight. And so I am just praying that my face doesn't slide all the way off, people. It is rough. Just like in the last like 10 to 15 minutes, too. It's like just taking over. Yeah. Yeah, so if y'all want to pray, you know, we've already prayed, but, you know, <laughs> a little bit more. more doesn't help. I mean, doesn't hurt. That's right. So right. Uh, we're doing things a little different tonight. Yeah, well, we don't really have a plan. That's OK, because <laughs> sometimes that is the plan and that's good. But before we go into the plan. Yeah. Let's do some house cleaning. OK. All right. So if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy us. Share the show. Yes, the banter, the craziness. Please share the show. We are on Google Play, Apple Podcast, Apple, what is it called? Apple Apple Podcast. Yes, Apple Podcast. Spotify. Facebook, Spotify, YouTube. Share the show. We are on all the platforms. So talking about all the things. That's right. So it's a great way to help support the show is just hit that little share button. If you're on YouTube, hit the thumbs up. Yeah. Um, and make a comment that helps our algorithm and it actually pushes it out to more people. So when you do all those little things, it it really helps helps yes. us. Thank you. And hi, Allison from San Diego. Hey. And we want to. Oh, hey, Allison. Allison's in my small group. Uh, uh, Nikki wants to know, are you sure it's allergies? It is. She asked me that yesterday. It is allergies. I promise. I promise. It's just like the little sniffles. Um, yes, it is. It's really, really not the coronavirus. No, I can't have the coronas. <laughs> no. Is it the Bud Light virus? No, it's not the Bud Light virus. I, beer is just not my thing. So. Ew. Ew. Yeah. But, um, now if you want to call it the <laughs> Chardonnay virus, it might be different. <laughs> Sorry, people. <laughs> you know. Uh, so we've got. Uh, if you want to join us, join, go to the live chat on YouTube. That's the easiest and best way to join the conversation. If you comment on Facebook, um, it, it sometimes shows up in our feed and sometimes doesn't until after the show. It's very clunky, but uh, you can also watch us on Facebook. So Renee, I'm not Renee. Um, oh, Renee said, hello. She said, evening, ladies and Bob. Yay. And then Nikki said, I'm just teasing. I know, girl, but please. Today I was OK. I had I got out the house. I went and sat at the park. And this lady walked by and she coughed 
and I ran home. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I know it's horrible. That is horrible. That might be some sort of bias you have. Against coughing people? Yeah. Are you prejudiced? Personally, right now I am. <laughs> Please don't cough or sneeze in my vicinity. But yes. No, and I can take a good joke. So that's all right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so join us on the chat. If you missed last week's show, we did pretty much uh, most of the hour on coronavirus and we were a little bit prophetic. We didn't we weren't yet on quarantine completely. Now the governor of California has declared the uh, safer at home policy. And now I am working from home. Yes. <laughs> uh, Monique is not. I am not working from home because I work in an, in an essential service in social service. Yeah. And so, servicing the homeless and at yeah. the food pantry. Mm -hmm. But go check out last week's show. Uh, we talked about the coronavirus in light of the cross. Just several different aspects of, really of, of the conversation from a Christian worldview. Yeah. And we also had our one year anniversary of the show yes and much silliness yes a lot related to that so go check out last week's show nice. and um let's see and be sure to check out our our podcast stream uh we're now on apple podcasts thank you thanks to an awesome volunteer who yeah got us up there so if you go on apple podcasts on your mobile device you should be able to search for all the things show and Scroll down a little bit and and find us. So if you don't like if you don't really don't know what to search on, just search for Monique's name and it'll probably come up. <laughs> no, I don't know that. So, that's true. Hi, a, Rachel Johnson. She hello. said last week's show was great. Thanks. Oh, good. I'm glad it was helpful. Yes. Um. So, yeah, people are jump, jumping in. So we're going to do kind of a ask me anything tonight. So if people have questions. Yeah, it can be anything. Well, if you, you know, but I say anything. Yeah. Just, Are you entertaining marriage proposals? During the era <laughs> of coronavirus? If we can get through the coronavirus <laughs> era, then yes, I will go ahead and take those marriage proposals. But you can put in the chat, you can ha ask a question about God, the Bible and real life, which pretty much covers everything. It does. It covers everything. Yeah. Is it godly for me to get married? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's it. You know, a nice... Godly single man, send him money's way. Well, so, you know, pray yes. first. But I mean, okay. And if now here's the, the the caveat, the twist. If you guys don't ask us things, I think we might need to ask you guys. Some We're gonna questions. have reverse. Yes. Ask me anything. Yes. You didn't even know what you signed up for. Because <laughs> we are now quarantined until April the nineteenth. April nineteenth. Uh, this is only day two of our quarantine. People. Yeah. <laughs> We're on day two. We're on day two. Yeah. So we got uh, Abby's here. She's she's on uh, on uh, off school mm -hmm. till April 19th. Uh, Emily moved home on Thursday. Uh, I'm off work until April 19th in terms of I still have to work at home, but off work in terms of going to the office and driving there. Um, I <laughs> I do need to get some things at my office. So. Nope. <laughs> but the children tell me if I go to the office, they're all going to self-quarantine in their rooms. So I don't know how this is going to work, but there's some things I need there. <laughs> so uh, we're all here in the house. So we're going to do ask me anything. So we literally have really no plan tonight. So, ooh, that's a good one. Go Rachel. In the chat. Coming, I mean, not Rachel. Renee is coming strong. All already. right. Yes. 
what is, is Krista's bro- brother's perspective on COVID-19 in light of Mormonism? My neighbor is LDS. Jump I, right in, Renee. Come on. Come I have on no through. idea. Clark, 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 if you're watching, call. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We haven't talked about the coronavirus. Oh. So I have no I wonder idea. what, like, oh, I, I don't, don't know. know what, I don't even know what the issue would be from an LDS perspective. That I'm like, I'm wondering, is there some kind of like, they, they don't believe in modern medicine oh, no. or, okay. Cause I was like, oh no, there's a lot know. of LDS doctors. Yeah. That's what I thought so. too. Renee, is there like a, a particular a, issue? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, a particular I, issue or something I think um, that I, you're wondering, just wondering. Just wondering. Okay. I, I, Clark's a very intelligent guy. I mean, just based on, we haven't talked about it specifically, but just based on his posts on Facebook, I think he's a little bit like me, like vacillating between skepticism or is this overblown and, you know, what the situation is. I don't know. Maybe we could get a cute picture of him up on the screen, but I don't know. We haven't talked about him. So I don't know uh, if he had it, but he does sometimes watch the show. So Clark, if you're watching, Call, text me, do something. Uh, what's your favorite part about being safer at home? Well, yeah. Um, I we're in public, by the yeah. way. Yeah. All right. I'm an introvert, pretty much. So I feel like I am just now realizing that the way I live my life is a quarantine. I feel like I didn't realize that at first. Um, my favorite part about being at home. Emily's here. Emily's here. Uh, we get more family time. Okay. Uh, we're all going to weigh 700 pounds by the time this is over. I was going to say, I feel like cooking is going to be a thing. We had an awesome dinner tonight. Yeah. I Monique made like, it was really, really good. I made shepherd's pie um, yeah. with ground beef instead of lamb, which is the traditional way to make it. Um, I wish we had lamb because I would have made that. Ooh, meat's, so a, meat's a little scarce around here. Meat is scarce. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know what else. I, 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 I do enjoy being at home in my chair, being by the fire as long as it's able to be on. Yeah. So I think my favorite part about being home, well, I'm not home. So there's that. I um, only work Tuesday through Thursday. Yeah. So. I'm not. It's a little stressful for Monique, to be honest. Let's let's just be like, let's keep it real. Yeah, it's been stressful for you. Yeah. Just because I want to go to work. Yeah. I know my boss like we have a very small organization, but we serve hundreds of people. Um, This week, we probably served upwards of 450 people. And so, you know, I want to make sure that I'm able to be there to support him. And at the same time. I. I have no time for the Coronas. And so I just, yeah, you know, trying not to worry and panic, but yeah. Um, yeah. Looking at how I can just keep myself safe. So I don't think that there's a big change for me. Yeah. But yeah. I think you're enjoying the family time and cooking and yeah. sitting around the fire. cleaning. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, you know, how some people have spring cleaning. We have coronavirus cleaning. It is not okay. Okay, so we're starting to get some questions here. Right. Let's get to, into it. Uh, Rachel wants to know: Are y'all familiar with y'all? Are you from Texas? With NAR, which is I know what that means. It's the New Apostolic Reformation. I I call that the neo charismatic stream of of Protestantism and how they are defining an apostle. 
I had thought that the true definition of an apostle was a disciple of Christ that met him or her te- that met him or heard him teach. But what about Barnabas? That is a great question. So um, I'm somewhat conflicted about this, to be honest. Uh, I'm looking in this camera now. Um, the the historic definition of an apostle, yes, is somebody who was an eyewitness to Jesus's resurrection, to be specific. Now, in Luke chapter 10, there's a mention of the 72. And there's many people historically that were part of that 72. I would have to look up if Barnabas was maybe one of those people. But there were 500 witnesses, according to 1 Corinthians 15, to um, uh, Jesus' resurrection and saw him after his resurrection. So that wasn't just the 12. So if you look carefully in 1 Corinthians 15, I don't know if Bob can pull that up real quick, but um, there's a mention of the 12, and then there's a later mention of the apostles. So the apostles um, in the first century was more than just the 12. It, it was a larger group, and it was among those 500 or more eyewitnesses. Now, the second question embedded there is, are there modern apostles, which is what the New Apostolic Reformation argues? And the churches in the New Apostolic Reformation stream would be churches like Bethel and um, the International House of Prayer in uh, Kansas City. Those are kind of the two leading lights. If you know Graham Cook, he's part of the NAR. Um, Todd White would probably be part of the NAR. Though that the, that's kind of the 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 um, group of people that we're talking about. Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, those people. Um, and they would say that there are also modern day apostles. Um, there's also a spiritual kind of office of being an apostle in Ephesians chapter four, which makes me think that um, there's more to it than just being an eyewitness to uh, the resurrection. And some have suggested, I like Craig Keener's uh, perspective. I'll see if I can remember after the show to post a link in the show notes to his article a while back. I think it was in Christianity Today of his discussion about apostles and are there apostles today? And he he kind of gave a very similar answer to to my answer, if I remember right, is is yes, there can be modern apostles. Like for example, I think that my boss Hugh Ross might be a type of apostle in that he's very groundbreaking. He's bringing the gospel. There it is. It's on his website. Are there apostles today? And that is a very fine and helpful article. So if you want to go check that out, go check out Craig Keener's article, Are There Apostles Today? Um, But I think that Hugh Ross is sort of a type of apostle in that he's bringing the gospel to an unreached people group. He's kind of groundbreaking and bringing the, the the gospel to scientists, skeptics, and atheists. Now, that said, Monique, you have a little bit more familiarity, I think, with charismatic circles. There's a lot of people running around. They got apostle written on their business card. Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking like about. Shunda. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, that's That's kind of my thought about it is like if you got apostle written on your business card 
I'm, I'm kind of a skeptic. I don't know if there's a class that you take <laughs> yeah. or a degree you get. I feel like there are a lot of people who are running around um, calling themselves apostle this, apostle that. I actually know someone, sorry, personally, who um, calls himself apostle. And yet, there's no way to say this. Yeah. Um, but the life doesn't match up. You know what I mean? And so I feel like you, with any office, you need to be very careful before you assign something to yourself. Yeah. That's I, what I'll say with that. I think for me, if there are modern day apostles or people that are groundbreaking, they're bringing the gospel like to a new area or a new group. That's kind of how I think of the apostles, because they were the ones that brought the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if Monique has to run away because she has allergies, that's just I'm sorry, my, my eyes just literally watered up. Um, All right. Allison wants to know what books are we reading? And what shows or movies are you watching? Any good recommendations? So I am reading Latasha Morrison's Be the Bridge. Um, Latasha Morrison started a group called Be the Bridge. It's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. It's a huge group. It is. And um, it's a racial reconciliation group. There's a lot of. um... Yes, please, Abby. Sorry, just, you know, sometimes they got to hang you tissue and stuff. You just tuck it under my leg. Um, it's the Speed the Bridge group is a racial reconciliation group. And no, that isn't it. No. Um, and I think the goal is good um, of, you know, everyone being reconciled. Unfortunately, the way that they go about it is not that good to me. Um, it doesn't value everyone's voice. It doesn't give room for people who are not people of color to speak um, or to speak freely. And I find that very unfortunate, especially when the goal is unification. I don't know how I can be unified to someone if I don't value their thoughts or if I um, if I promote my thought above somebody else's thought. Well, or, be more specific because, I mean, there's rules no, there are rules the if, rule, for, yeah. for white people. Yes. And that's what you're I talking about. I was trying about. to be diplomatic about it. Well, let's just call a thing a thing. So white folks can't speak. <laughs> I mean, yeah. or it, it's like you, any person who joins the group is like the first six months or something like that, three to six months, you need to sit and just absorb what's happening. And you have to read a lot of books. Yeah. But these books are based in critical race theory. And that's where things go south. I think if the goal was, you know, hey, come in for the first three to six months and you just observe how we do this, what the culture is, as we are really seeking out biblical unity and valuing everyone's voice and participation, that would be different. But to say you need to read all these books that are based in critical race theory and you can't speak for three to six months. But then after that time period is over, I can speak freely. And it's pretty much as long as my my voice agrees with the group. But if you're white at any point, I, as a person of color, can say white people don't speak or this is only for people of color. This isn't for any person white. So I don't want to know your thoughts. And the tone of people in the group when they talk to white people in the group or when they talk about white people in general is really derogatory. So why am I reading this book? You say, because to me, you need to know your enemy. Like that's just it. I'm not calling Latasha Morrison my enemy, but the thought process and how they do things, I want to be able to give a defense for how I choose to live my life. I want to understand what would someone who is in the Be The Bridge group say. And so I'm reading this book to really find out what are some of the key tenets of this group? What are, um, like, how do they play this all the way out? 
and like things like lamenting and why lamenting in this group is seen as a way to build unity and how much lamenting is really enough or is there ever enough lamenting? So yes, I'm reading that. And then I'm reading a book by uh, Miles McPherson called The Third Option. We've talked about that book on the show. Uh, He just offers a third option to racial unity and it's not necessarily, you know, this, not, this not white perspective and yeah. it's not this black perspective, but it's something else. And so I'm really wanting to get in and see what is this something else that he's talking about. But, um, yeah, I, I read a really good part today um, that just talked about how we as individuals desire to be known. Mm-hmm. But how often do we really seek out others so that we get to know them? It's a good book. Yeah, I, I read really it good book. last year. It, it was very helpful. So um, what what uh, books am I reading? Uh, well, we're reading. We started Genesis this week. We finished Nehemiah in our family devotions. Yes. I'm uh, reading Genesis too. Uh, uh, I, I don't have a lot of uh, free time for reading. I've been reading Natasha Crane's book, uh, Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, because I'm leading a small group right now through that. And uh, that's about it for me. Movies. We haven't been to the movies in so long. No, but if you haven't seen The Blind Side, I say you should watch The Blind Side. I don't know why I keep looking at this camera. Sorry. All-time favorite movie. My all-time favorite movie. I can quote it. The Blind Side. I love that movie. And Um, we're sort of living that here. There it is. (laughs) And we have, we watch a lot of episodes of Survivor, the current season. And we go back to old seasons, The Amazing Race. We yeah. watch a lot of reruns, The Facts of Life on DVD. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Annette says she still has to go to work. She's like you. Yep. Uh, um, what's your, Theo wants to know, what's your opinion on Jordan Peterson? That's easy. I don't really have one. I I haven't watched enough of his stuff to have an opinion about it. He's a psychologist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 He's, Me he's an agnostic. That's all I know. But he has a lot of interesting ideas. I think um, he talks about sexuality. Gender, identity. being a man, masculinity. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I, um, when I saw the question, I looked him up to see if is it the same Jordan Peterson that that I'm thinking about. Not, oh. yeah, um, and it was. Uh, Rachel says yes, she's from Texas. See, I knew it, y'all. Living in the suburbs of Oklahoma. All right. Uh, um, Nikki says I'm still going to work right now. Where did it go? Because we provide vouchers for the local food pantry. Oh. But we're doing some Corona cleaning, too. Ooh, that Corona cleaning. That is no joke. Uh, Alicia says, my husband is an overnight pharmacist. Oh, my. Kind of worrisome that he stays exposed and to and what he, what brings, he brings. Yeah, home. what, he's, say, what he gets exposed to. Yeah. Like is. he says, her husband is a civil servant with the Navy and makes our fighter jets safe for the Navy boys. So he's essential personnel. It's good. I'm glad some of you are still working. Kimba says hi. Hi, Kimba. Uh, Rachel says my grad university was was steeped in creative, critical theory. I wish I'd heard your talk at the Women in Apologetics conference years ago. It's good to hear your thoughts. Hmm. Well, good. Yeah. Well, Monique's trying to gauge some interest right now um, for uh, maybe doing a virtual small group. Yeah, I'm thinking about issues. doing a, Why don't you a, tell them about that? Well, I'm thinking about doing, leading a small group through the book, um, the third option, the one that I'm currently reading by Miles McPherson. I think it just has a lot of good points and ways, things that can be extrapolated out from that into application. You know, yeah, application. Yeah. Like our everyday life. What can we really do? 
And I think now during the quarantine is a perfect time to go through the book because soon, hopefully, we'll all be out, you know, um, from among our more homogeneous um, environments and able to go back into society. And how can we look at people differently? And um, what are the thoughts that we hold about ourselves? Like one of the things that he talks about is how black people or people of color are really encouraged like black power and black girl magic and, you know, all these things that really promote and uplift my ethnic identity. And one point, white people don't if, usually well, if I talked about white power. I would be. No, no, we no, don't, nobody don't needs. Do don't say white power. That's, that's, that's a different one. Yeah. That, um, but that. how can I promote the skin color of someone who is different than me. And I think that's really important and it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's not that one ethnicity or one, we're all of the same race, but one color should be promoted and the other one just left by the wayside. It's a really good book, you guys. Okay, Allison. Yeah. So if you're interested in, in a, maybe in a small group like that, like safe and sane race conversations. Yeah. Tell us in the chat box. Cause Monique's trying safe to decide. Safe and sane race conversations. Actually based on the Bible. Yeah. What does the Bible have to say? I don't know that the Bible would say, just be quiet. So tell us on the chat box, if that would be something you'd be interested in um, participating in. Cause she's trying to decide right now if there's enough interest to do it. Um, Allison says, interesting. Thanks for the summary, Monique. I'm familiar with Latasha Morrison, but didn't know about a piece of the issue. Very good. Yeah. Um, Rachel says, Paul, the apostle of Christ was excellent. I think she's talking about the movie. There's a movie called that. So I haven't seen that. I was trying to talk, uh, Bob into maybe getting us Netflix or Hulu or something temporarily. We don't have any services like that. We just have the over the air free antenna. We don't have satellite or anything. So we do have Disney plus. We just got that at the, in January. Yeah. So, um, I would like to, Oh, Kimba, I would like to know how Krista feels about Johnny cash. (laughs) And if you and two braids met in the clinker, (laughs) two braids, y'all, y'all, y'all be holding on to things, boy. I tell (laughs) you, Krista needs a jail name. If you aren't familiar with two braids or jail names, you have to watch last week's show. Yeah. Yes. Um, what is your jail name? I don't know, but what, what was the question about Johnny cash? Oh, what do I, why do I like him? How do I feel about him? Uh, mild obsession are two words. It's not mild. It's just obsession. (laughs) No, I, I, uh, Got a Johnny Cash tape when I was a little kid. She's wearing a Johnny Cash shirt right now, people. <laughs> I got five of them. There we go. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I, uh, my cousins, I had two uh, male cousins, John and Mark. And when I went to their house, they had a Johnny Cash tape. My cousin, John, I don't know, maybe he had some face. I don't even know if he remembers that. But I, I really liked it. So when I got home, I got, I went to the store and I bought a Johnny Cash tape. And man, I... <laughs> played that thing to death. I don't know, even know what it was like some sort of greatest hits or something. And, um, just played that tape over and over and over again. I remember my favorite song on the tape was, um, I'm Ring just, of fire. no, it was a uh, old chunk of coal. I'm just an old chunk of coal, but I'm going to be a diamond someday. And I just love that song. And I would always be rewinding it and playing it over and over again. And just always like, I, 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 cause to me, what's fascinating about Johnny Cash is, um, 
you know, he's somebody that my grandparents liked. And he's he's somebody who's still Johnny relevant. Cash was around with your grandparents. Yeah, he would go perform at the Billy Graham Crusades. And he would sing hymns with his oh. wife, June Carter. And he's married. He was married to a legend. And, you know, and, but Johnny Cash is still relevant as an artist, even though he's been passed away now for 15 years. People are actually redoing some of his songs. Yeah. Halsey redid one of his things. It's, Ooh, it's so good. It's just a. Uh, he, he just is a true artist. Uh, if you want to know more about my fascination with Johnny Cash, I did a, a segment about it on the show that I helped to host uh, through my employer on 2819. I, I did a whole uh, segment on the inspirational music of Johnny Cash and people can. So is the diamond, Cold a Diamond song still your favorite or do you have it's another definitely, one? Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Ring of Fire is another one. Yeah, I like Ring of Fire. I have a lot of favorites. Okay. Um, These are the things that I know because when we drive, I get to listen to. I got a ring of fire, something, <laughs> something, something, over and over again. Down, down, down to the ring of fire. <laughs> we get copyright strike. Oh, okay, we won't, we won't, we won't get no a copyright strike. All right, next one. Let's see. Jeremy says, work at UPS and we're not closing even though Chicago was shut down. Wow. Mm, yeah. Wow. Um, Susanna says she would. She would join. Um, Rachel Johnson, I would totally be into safe and sane race conversations and what passed to my college students. Yeah. The, some of the things Monique has planned for this group are absolutely fantastic in the exercises she wants to lead people through. So if we can get enough people that'll be in the risk, because... I think that for a lot oh, of people, risk. let's yeah, be clear. I, I think for a lot of people, a race conversation is like, oh, I'm volunteering for an argument. Like that doesn't sound like a fun time. Yeah. But, you know, trying to, how can we do it differently? How can we do it better? How can we do it biblically? Do it biblically. How can yeah. we, you know, be in the risk and have hard conversations and still go again, even, you know, when you don't want to. I feel like that was a lot of us. It was like, yeah. man. We did that. And now we have to go again. <laughs> you know, how can we hold a space for grace with one another? Yeah. So, yeah. Maria says, are you familiar or have an opinion on Brene Brown? I know some people who are all about her right now, and I haven't been able to dig much into her at this point. I loved her in the beginning. Um, read a couple of her books that the titles are completely braving the wilderness or brave, something like that. Um, and daring greatly yes i read i yeah i've read those um and now i just don't really i'm not feeling her i think she's um kind of ventured into the critical theory stuff too uh and i, I don't i don't well, want to say new age there, there's just something there that just doesn't yeah, float with I me i think that um alicia childers has said that she's kind of somewhat uh, progressive, yes. like quasi progressive Christian. I don't Christian, even know if it's quasi, you know, it's, yeah, there's, it's sort of like Christian ish, but not overtly. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I know some people have found value in her ideas, but I don't, I don't really know too much about her theology or her come from. Alicia says, I'd love to join Monique. I'd love to feel better equipped to chat with my friends that are deep into critical race theory. That's awesome. Alicia's in my small group. Awesome. She would be um, a great, 
um, asset. We should call Chris the JC or Diamond. <laughs> it's all getting a little out of control. <laughs> yes, I, I can. I can get down with that. Um, Jeremy says, if you have, if you've seen it, what do you two think of Robert Duvall's movie, The Apostle? Oh, there you're going in the wayback machine. That was like from the '90s, I think movie i don't even know who robert duvall is oh this is unfortunate people i'm sorry i i don't really i have never seen it so i don't really have an opinion about he's like some southern charismatic pentecostal preacher sort of but needs redemption and we should find it on netflix and see if it's there well first we would need to join netflix oh that's the first we can find it we will find it um (laughs) Yeah. Because we're not going to Redbox for these things. No, I can't touch that. No, <laughs> can't touch this. Nah, 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 nah. Okay, sorry. Um, let's right. see. Theo. Well, Allison, Monique, I'd be interested. Yay. Theo, right. why does the Catholic Bible have more books than the Protestant Bible? Ooh, we've talked about this. Yeah. So the Catholic, the um, ancient faith traditions of Catholicism and Orthodox Christianity are based on the Septuagint and the Septuagint was the Greek translation um, in about 200 BC. So about 200 years before Jesus, the Jews translated the old Testament into Greek, which was the language of that day. And this was the Bible that is quoted by the gospel writers and by Paul, the apostle, uh, the Septuagint was the Bible of the early church and it remained the Bible of, of the church in the East. Um, now in the West Latin came to dominate. Uh, and so Jerome, and I think the four hundreds, uh, translated the, the Bible from Greek into Latin, and that became the, the scriptures for the church in the West. Um, the, the Septuagint has what's called the longer canon, and it has these additional books. And so that's why you see additional books in the Catholic Bible and in the Orthodox Bible, is that they reflect the, the larger or the longer canon of the Septuagint. Protestants at the Reformation in the 1500s uh, pared the Old Testament canon down to what Protestants use today. So they took out um, what are called the deuterocanonical books um, from that are that were part of that larger canon. So books like the Maccabees, Maccabees. and a few others. It's not a ton of books. There's just like, a, does Jeremiah have more than one book? Um, um, Esther has a, has some additions to it. It has a longer additions. Um, there's some, uh, a few other books, Tobit, Judith. Um, but it's not a ton of books, but, but that's, that's the history of why that's the case. But you actually are using an Orthodox Bible right now. Yeah. For my friend who's Orthodox loaned me her Orthodox study Bible. So we've been kind of comparing that as we've been, reading through things in our it's, family devotions. I think it's really interesting because it get, it gives a different, not even, not a different, but a longer take on some things and uses different words. And so it's interesting to see how the notes more, in it are yeah. kind of helpful, give more historical yeah. perspective. So it's kind of fun. Hopefully that answers that question. Um, Nikki Stahl says, I like diamond 
and two braids. <laughs> hey, I think we found her tail name, y'all. Oh, gosh. Diamond and two braids coming at you. All right. Stu Blue says, or Susanna, you can get Netflix free for the first month. Hey, right. she's saving the day. Come on. <laughs> Jeremy says, sadly, The Apostle is not on Netflix. Oh, it's a great movie, though. I hope you can check it out someday. Well, good to know. Always looking for a good movie. Susanna says, being in the Episcopal Church, we've used the NRSV. And in the Methodists, we use the CEB. Yeah, the NRSV, I think there's a version of that that has the longer canon. Um, so, as I remember, CEB, I think that's like the the new hip translation. I don't, I don't know too much about that one. Have you ever had friends stop talking to you because of your different views? If they went off the farm, like friends that decide they are progressive now. Oh, what have you done to keep common ground? Oh, well, this would be an appropriate question for Monique to potentially answer. Um, I have (laughs) some friends who we disagree with things like on, on race um, and like how to, attain racial unity and whether or not all white people are oppressive and things like that, or if all people of color are oppressed and yeah, had some people unfriend me on Facebook. I was like, Ooh, that's, that's, we've been friends since high school. Y'all. Um, so I think that trying to keep common ground takes two people. And so mm. if, if someone is unwilling to keep common ground, you can't keep common ground. Like I can go again and I can create space and I can try. And it also takes someone else creating space and giving grace and trying as well. Um, I think with some of my friends regarding the race conversation, we just go again like, Hey, well, I thought about that. A lot of people who disagree with me have really good points, things that I'm still considering. And I'm like, you know, okay, so I can take that and let me think about that. It's about holding a space where I don't think that everything that someone says, just because I might not agree with it is dumb or damned, you know, it's like, how can I try this on? And what is the good that this person is really trying to offer? So I think that's, that's helped to find common ground. Like, okay, so what are, what are they trying to say on the backside of this? How can I kind of bring this over to create something good with it? Um, but then there are some times where you just have to stand your ground and be like, no, that's not biblical. So I don't know. I think one point that you brought up there that I think is so important is that you and I have said before many times is the importance of having, um, uh, having, uh, something that's okay. Having a relationship at stake, you know, that you have to have something at stake because it is a two way street. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't hold on to a relationship if only one person is holding on. If another person isn't willing to show up or be engaged, I think sometimes some of us take on too much responsibility of, oh, I ruined the relationship. No, it's, it's, you know, it takes two people to hold on to a relationship. And, and if both people don't want to hang on to it, it's, it's, it's hard work, you know, when you come to a place of, of disagreement, you know, and regarding like the historical Christian perspective, um, versus like a progressive perspective, I think my friends who are in the more progressive stream, we've been able to keep 
contact and keep relationship. And we just have disagreements. And I'm like, okay, I disagree with you. And they say, well, I disagree with you. And that's fine. Let's go have some coffee. Um, it's more the things that pertain to social justice and race and, you know, all of those things where people I feel like are so just like, oh, I'm not moving. Um, but but in, in regards to progressive Christianity, I feel like those people are, or maybe the fact that I, you know, identify as a Christian and they don't at all. You know, maybe they identify as transgender or something like that. Those are things where I feel like we're just like, you know, we we disagree. And yet we love each other. And, you know, I'm going to respect you. I'm going to honor you um, as, a and, as a human being. Yeah. And they are clear with what I think, too, and, and what I believe, not just what I think, but what I believe. Mm-hmm. And so... um. But for yeah, you, it, but for you with the critical race theory thing, I think that it's it's hard because there is a thought of black people should think a certain way. Tribalism is what it's called. Okay. Yes. So yeah, so there is there's there is a tribal mentality among a lot of black people, but not every black person. Sure, sure. Just like you'll see tribalism among whites or tribalism among Latinos or tribalism among Filipinos. Or tribalism among social justice warriors who come in all shades. You know, so there it, it gets tricky and the waters get muddy because in some spheres, people think that just because I wear brown skin, I should be thinking this way. And I don't. And if you don't, then something's you're betraying. Amiss. I'm betraying them. There are other words and names that can be called. And that's OK. Like, I understand that that's where you are, but I'm going to hold this line because yeah. this is the line that I believe Christ has called me to, to walk. Yeah. All right, now we're getting the questions here. Uh, Renee says, what is your church services and ministries looking like tomorrow? I am having fellowship with Brother Sheets and Sister Pillows. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. We'll watch um, our, We'll watch church online. Yeah, our pastor, I think, posted something earlier today that uh, they're live streaming from his living room. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what, what happens there. We live stream from our living room. So, hey. Yeah. Everybody got to take a turn. Welcome to our living room. This is it. <laughs> um, there's a big uh, light in front of our front door. Don't come to the front door. <laughs> yeah. We'll be going through the garage. Yeah. Um, let's see. Nikki, I- Nikki has a question. I know you've already done an episode on feminism, but what about women serving in the church or what roles can, should women serve in the church and ministry? What if their church is very traditional? Ooh, yeah, we let's, did. Let, let's we did break, let's yeah. break that down into a tweet, you know, yeah. 140 characters. <laughs> well, see, part of what I am learning and have learned, I grew up in a church or not grew up since I was about 15, 16, was in a church that I feel like, affirmed women in ministry. I was a children's well, pastor. Because it was the assembly of God. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I was a children's pastor, things like that. And I didn't even realize that there was an, a conversation that women shouldn't be doing any of these things at all. I was like, whoa, somebody wants to say that? Like, why? Um, and now I've learned a whole bunch of things. But what I think is interesting is that in the early church, Women could serve. Yeah. Now we didn't serve. Women didn't serve in the role of priest, priest yeah. but we served in other capacities within the yeah. church. Yeah. I think that in Protestantism, you know, there's the the whole conversation about egalitarianism versus complementarianism. You know, egalitarians yeah. will say that all patriarchy is the result of the fall and 
uh, women should do the jobs based on their spiritual gifts. And so all offices are open. Complementarian position says that patriarchalism is part of the created order. And so that limits some things that women, some offices where women can and cannot serve. But it gets really messy because it almost feels like death by a thousand exceptions for for the complementarians because it's like, well, can women be youth pastors? You know, can they teach teenage boys? Can they only teach children? What's the age under which they can teach? Uh, Can maybe a woman teach an adult Sunday school class, but not be on the platform on Sunday? Uh, Could a woman say something on Sunday if there's a man on the platform with her? Um, It's it's just it's a lot of uh, questions about how the complementarian system works. So. I think that that's a tough conversation that Protestants are having. I do think it's helpful. The office of deaconess to me is a very helpful idea in the ancient faith traditions um, that is still practiced, in fact, um, in the Coptic church and a few other Orthodox traditions still practice the office of deaconess. And they do many things. And a woman can can go teach in the Orthodox Church. You know, they wouldn't teach on Sunday from the pulpit and give the homily. But a friend of mine who's Orthodox has spoken at many churches uh, to mixed gender audiences. Um, you know, like on a Friday night, going and giving her testimony or teaching in an adult Sunday school class. It's not a problem at all. Um, women are not priests in ancient faith traditions, but there's a different reason why they, yes. why they aren't. It's, it's not that anything that's inherent about the woman, it's, it's that the priest is a symbol for Christ. Yeah. And because Christ was a man, that's why the priest is a man. Yeah. And he's sort of a, a living representation of, of Christ, you know, to point us to Christ. And, and I, I can appreciate that, but I think that we live in an age when women have adopted a very cultural value of unless all offices are open to me, I'm being oppressed. And I'm like, I'm not sure that that is exactly the right attitude that we should be having, but it's, it's hard. I mean, if you're in a church where it is very traditional and there's, and it's Protestant and, you know, they have various rules about what men and women can do and can't do. Sometimes it's difficult to even get, Clarity on the rules, mm-hmm. you know. And I just wonder, like, who made up these rules? Because <laughs> yes. sometimes I feel like that's a made-up rule. Like, when we look at the early church and what women did or didn't do, and we look at how that's trickled down now into Protestantism, I feel like something went askew yeah. somewhere along the line. And not just in the role of men and women, but in, in many other nuanced places, too, it, it doesn't seem biblical all the time well, to, you know, and, but that's just my take on it and my perspective. And I know there's somebody out there, being, you know, who's been like, see, ah, we see women being missionaries. We see yeah. women, um, you know, acting as teachers. We see women acting in mercy ministries. We, we see women doing many, many things in the early church. And 
I, I guess I just wish that there was more of a conversation on the complementarian side about what's possible. I feel like there's so much energy in, for example, in the Southern Baptist Convention about what women can't do. I really just want to have a conversation about what's possible. You know, like, where is that discussion happening? Because I think women are just trying to figure out, okay, well, if I'm getting a seminary education, what what can I do? And it, it it just, it seems like in the SBC right now and the Southern Baptist Convention are going through such a identity crisis because they're trying to figure this out. They've historically been complementarians, but now there's the question of Beth Moore and, you know, she's teaching men and it seems like you got people like Dwight McKissick and others who are seeming to have more openness to having women teach them. And so it's, it's all a very confusing time right now for the SBC I, I'm, I don't know what I would do if I was in that tradition, because it's hard to get clarity. It seems to vary by, from church to church and whoever your pastor is, they're going to have different rules about what you can and cannot do. And this is the fate of Protestants yeah. when you don't have a solid ecclesiastical structure telling you what, what the, what the boundaries are. So, you know, if you're in the SBC, Nikki, which it says you're going to a Southern Baptist seminary there, I mean, I, I sympathize with you. That's going to, that could be, depending on what your interest is and what you want to do, that could be a, a, a tough, tough situation. I think in the SBC, though, can women teach kids? Is it that they just can't teach adults? I don't adult think, men, I think it depends. Women. I think it depends on the church. It depends on the senior pastor. He seems to be the one, because they kind of have this independent but loosely affiliated structure. And, um, so like this last time I said this, I got in, I got these really angry Twitter people that came, came for me on Twitter, but I'm actually licensed as a minister in the Southern Baptist convention. And the, 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 my, the guy who, who licensed me, the way that he explained it is that, that he has the ability to do that under their structure, but it's it's just seems to be very messy in the SBC because they don't have a real organized ecclesiastical structure. So um, and Nikki was the one who asked us last night about how to start her own podcast oh. that we didn't we didn't kind of answer that question. Maybe we should answer that. Oh, she wanted advice about starting her own podcast. Just do it. Get your laptop and just be like, bam, I'm going to start off with bam. A, a Facebook Live. Get a microphone. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of tutorials on YouTube if you want to know, like, the practical nuts and bolts. I think, like, one big thing is know what you want to say. Like, what's your voice? What do you think your, your unique voice can be? Because there's so many voices out there in podcast land. And even in the realm of apologetics, there's a lot of voices. And so you have to kind of figure out what is your specialty or what is your secret sauce? You know, um, you have to figure out how to carve your own lane. I think that's the biggest thing about a podcast is figuring out what your vision is and and what you uniquely add. Yeah. Um, but I think what's awesome is that you do have a unique voice. I feel like there are um, just nuanced pieces to us as being human that 
you know, my voice will never be Chris's voice and her voice will never be my voice. And even if we're sitting on the same show, I offer something that is different than you and we don't always agree. And so how can your voice be completely unique in the space of apologetics? And I completely think it can. Um, you started our podcast out hoodwinked and bamboozled folks. Remember that. Um, so I think you can speak more into that, but my encouragement to you would just be like to start, start somewhere right out. You know, if I, if I could talk for 20 minutes, it doesn't need to be an hour long thing. What, what would you talk about for 20 minutes? Um, and have somebody and, in your mind yeah. when you do it, that this is the kind of person I'm talking to. You know, if that is your 20 year old daughter, think of that person in your mind of, if I was sitting across from this person at coffee, what topics would I want to talk about and have that person in mind as you're talking, it helps you craft your content in such a way that you know who you're talking to. Um, I think, you know, it's just really important to think about what your unique voice can be and doing the technical things like get a microphone, you know, you'll, you'll have to figure out some things on the technical end Hopefully you have somebody in your life. If, if you don't have that knowledge, you have somebody in your life who can help you. But yeah. Um, Jeremy says it's like pancakes or waffles. Pancakes or waffles. Oh, that's the question to us. Yes. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Pancakes or crepe. I mean, French toast or crepes? Crepes. Okay. I'm going to go with waffles too. I like yeah. waffles. Um, French toast. Ew. You're a dork. I just can't even. Um, rhyme his song. Hey, I haven't seen you in so long. Hi, stranger. Um, question. question reconferring healing when handkerchiefs were used and or oh. Elijah laid on a person to raise that one from fatal condition in scripture. What is that at play that makes it work? Holy Spirit. That's what I was going to say. It's just the power <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. Walking in power and authority. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's different though than what we see today when people have to pay $20 to get the sweat from the TV evangelist on a handkerchief mailed to them so that they can be healed from whatever ailment they have. That's different. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked. I was actually talking to one of my Orthodox friends about this issue and she was telling me this story about a priest who Um, Somebody from the family came to the priest and said, you know, my family member is near death and and is sick. And so the priest took a cough drop, put it in his mouth, prayed over it, said a blessing, gave it back to the person, wrapped it up, gave it to him. They took it home. They put it in the the sick person's mouth and the sick person got well. Stop it. No, I'm serious. That's deep. And and this 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 particular priest had the gift of healing and he was known for doing these kinds of things. And it was very similar to Paul's handkerchief situation. And yeah. <laughs> well, you know, corona. it's Corona. No, I it's rather stay sick. no, no, on death's door, you give me that cough drop. <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting story because I thought, well, okay, so maybe this isn't just some crazy charismatic thing. Maybe there's still something to this idea of the power of the Holy spirit and, and you know, that it's just something so foreign to us, I think in the West, but you know, I think living in, um, in on Africa, on the African continent, 
um, and traveling to a few African countries, you see healings. And so it's not like this foreign idea. I've never seen like somebody say, hey, let me suck on this cough drop or, oh, let me, you know, give a, a handkerchief to somebody. I think I have seen someone lay on top of someone else, though, and be healed. Like, but it's not like some crazy thing or foreign. It's just like, I feel like Holy Spirit is telling me to do this. Yeah. And then there it is. Yeah. And then there's healing. Um, Susanna says, this gives me a headache. Hi. <laughs> I, I think she's talking about our women in ministry conversation. Yes. I've been under the leadership of women preachers for the last 15 years. Y- yeah. I th- but you've been in, in traditions where that's more acceptable. You've been in the Episcopalian tradition and the the Methodist United Methodist tradition. Yeah. So, I mean, the Methodists from the beginning uh, have been uh, very friendly to, to women in ministry. So either you know, you know her personally or you're prophetic about which ministry she's been a part of. Oh yeah. No, I know okay, that. I just, I just know that about her. So just in case anybody else was wondering. Oh no, no, that. I'm not that prophetic. I don't get that level of words of knowledge, but it would be cool if I did. Um, Okay, Nikki says she's working on a master's in theology with a concentration in apologetics. Good for you. That's awesome. Jeremy says, if you get Netflix, Strangers on a Train might still be streaming there. I'm not sure because I don't have Netflix anymore. It's a very entertaining Hitchcock movie. Oh, okay. I like, a good, I like a good Hitchcock movie. Are you saying who about Hitchcock? I didn't know what you said or who you said. Oh, yeah. Jeremy was telling us about the Hitchcock movie. Okay. Right? I'm not really a TV or movie person. So okay. Really well, like, he's like a classic director. You don't know who Alfred Hitchcock is? He's the guy with the profile, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, the bald guy. Yeah. Um, Rachel asks, any resources for objective beauty or for artists? Most of the books I've found have a mystical feel. You know, I really want to have um, our friend Rachel Shockey back on sometime to talk about that very question of is beauty... Is there an objective standard to beauty? Because that was a whole discussion when we had her on the show that we didn't get into. But you could go back and check out our conversation with Rachel. We talked about Christianity and the arts. Uh, that yeah. was that was a really good discussion. And I really want to have her back on again soon. She's in the middle of a move right now. But I want to get her back on and, and talk about that question of um, is there an objective standard for beauty? I hope that helps you. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Jeremy's giving Rachel a recommendation. Art in the Bible by Francis Schaeffer is a good place to start. Yeah. You could watch the old Francis Schaeffer uh, videos on YouTube. How Should We Then Live? Those are classics from the 70s. Um, I'm about to start the book, What My Body Knows About God. Hmm. I don't know that book. By Rob Mole. I don't know who to check that out. I don't know anything about that. Um, Renee says Biola put out a video series on art and objective standards several years ago. I oh, forget okay. the name. Tracy says hi. Hi, Tracy. I do say yay to Biola though. Yay. Jeremy says I've read that one. It's excellent. Good. Rhyme his songs. Thanks both of you for tackling my question. Yeah, we tried. Uh, we did talk about women in ministry. Was she the one with the woman in ministry question? Yes, um, yeah. So we did do an, a whole conversation about that no, in a previous episode. She, wasn't. she oh. was the one on healing. Oh, healing. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, whoever asked the question about women in ministry, we did do a whole episode about that. 
a long time ago, maybe like last June. But you could go back in the archives and look for that. Um, let's see. Oh, the Rookmacher book. That's a good one, too. Modern Art and the Death of Culture. That's another good one. Mm. Um, if you go to a site called Just Watch, you can search for where you can stream and rent movies. Oh, yes. Are those bo- bootlegs? Or those don't illegal? knock a good bootleg. Do not knock a good bootleg. Monique, if you don't know Hitchcock, you should get to know his work. You're in for a real treat. Okay. I don't know. I just know his, like, the profile. But yes, I don't know any of his work. Um, now they're talking about your allergies again. Yeah, Willie Nelson. Do you know who Willie Nelson is? He's the, the old guy with the long hair. Yeah. He sings country music, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let me translate that for you. Oh, he sings country music, so therefore I can hit the ignore button. That is not true. Do not pay attention to that. Um, no salons as of Sunday. Ooh, that's that's deep. Yeah. Let's see if we got some comments on Facebook here. All right. Um, LOL, no diamond. It just tells you where you can find the movies to watch. <laughs> I love that people are calling you diamond. This is awesome. I don't know if this, I like this. I love it. And I say yay to Diamond. <laughs> yay to Diamond. I might just call her Diamond from now on. Oh, gosh. It. I think it can work. Okay, should we do the reverse AMA? Should we start yeah. asking them questions? Okay, yes. Okay, so we have some questions for y'all. Yes. <laughs> so one of our questions was, if you're a parent, how are you keeping your kids busy during these school closures? If you're tying them up, don't tell us. That's wrong. <laughs> But I mean, power to you if it works. Share your some of your tips with some of the other parents here. Um, So that was one of our questions. So how are you staying sane during the uh, school closures? I know that some people it's a little stressful for them having having the kids at home. Yes, because that's new. I was talking to my friend today and. She was like, I'm used to all the children going away by nine o'clock. Kimma said, I plead the fifth. <laughs> our, in living, our entire living room is a blanket fort. I love blanket forts. I cannot lie. I kind of wish I was there right now. I love to make a blanket fort. I can blanket fort with the best of them. Um, oh, gosh. Yes, diamond. Yes. Um, let's see. Mm. Lord bless your house and keep you. Oh, you know, I read a meme on Facebook and it said, if you see my kids locked out the house, mind your own business. We're having a fire drill. (laughs) I was like, yes, yes, yes. I saw one today uh, uh, that was like, um, both of the kids, both of our students have been suspended for fighting and the teacher was suspended for drinking on the job. Yes, yes. (laughs) We just drew up a homeschool schedule, Prodigy and Steady Island, but Blanket Fort is our backup. Yes. yes. I made a schedule for my middle schooler to follow. He's still doing school just online now. Lots of outside playtime. Good for you. The memes have been awesome. The memes have been hilarious. I love them. Um, My kids got on Zoom with friends today and played Pictionary and 20 oh, Questions. good for them. We homeschool, so the only difference for us is we miss our socialization. Well, we all know that homeschoolers are just locked in closets at home, right? Because that's like the first question you get when you homeschool. How do they socialize? Well, you know. You don't. 
No. You, you just, yeah, I have them locked in a closet at home. That, you, you found me out. Yeah. Google free printables. I've been a fan of Google free printables for a long time. Um, being a children's pastor, sometimes it would give me little things for them. Um, oh, sorry. I can't talk in the mic. The toddlers will do me in, but that's what's happening pre-virus. Uh, board games. Yay. We are a board game family here. We do a lot of board games. Some board yes. games take three days. Yes, they do. Yeah. In that's this family, okay. they do. That's all right. Okay, next all right, question. Next question. Um, do you want to get into the, any of these theology questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Or so, we talk about Lent. What do you uh, want to talk do, about? Let's do the, the, that one. All right, no. this one? No. The, no. Yeah, that one. This one? No. That one. This one? Yes. Okay. Oh, somebody just asked us, what is our favorite board game? Um, well, Monique and I, in, in, in all honesty, we don't understand board games. We have this in common. We play that one with the math. <laughs> what are you talking about? That board game where you have to add. I have no idea what that is. It's almost like dominoes. No, it isn't. You have the little tiles and you have to add. Rummy Cube. We oh, play that. Yeah, that's about our speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I can't do nothing else. Monopoly will land me in a fight because I am like. <laughs> but Bob and the girls. Yes. Like board games. They're playing. I don't know. Explain to them whatever this game is that you guys have been playing. I uh, got some Star Wars games. We got Imperial Assault. Uh, we've got uh, Rebellion. Those are two main ones we've been playing recently. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. We got a lot of other games, too, but right now we're just focusing on those. Those are take take quite a bit of time to play. Days. <laughs> Days. <laughs> Many hours. Yeah. So. Ooh, today one of my kids watched Cars 1, 2, and 3. And all the mass Mater short films. We homeschool, but it's Saturday. Hey, Cars movies are really good. I love the Cars movies. I was thinking about that too. The Ice Age movies, the Cars movies. I like Lion King. Um, oh, what is that feelings movie? I can't think of the Inside name. Out. Inside Out. Oh, so good. Yeah, I, I can get down with some cartoons. Cartoons and a fort. I'm good for a good couple of days. Um, anyone who would like Monique to babysit them. Yes. <laughs> I will always babysit. I used to do that as a ministry to parents. Yeah, she's an epic, let me babysit. amazing babysitter. Uh, Alicia says they her husband has a mild obsession with board games. We have way too many. Oh. I gave him toilet paper for Lent. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, rhyme his song. That's hilarious. Um, I saw a meme today that said... January 1st, oh, 2020 is going to be a good year. March 15th, I'm wiping with a coffee filter. (laughs) 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 These are great. Memes are great. Okay. Um, We're not asking the Lent question. Let's ask this question here. Okay. Okay. So a couple of months ago, actually, it was in January. Y'all, 2020 been rough. I feel like go home 2020, you're drunk. Um, (laughs) But 2020, 
we had the whole Iran almost World War Three conflict when somebody shot down the pl- Iran shot down the I think it was a Ukrainian yeah, the air passenger plane. plane and we shot somebody and like all this stuff happened and then Australia was on fire and people were seriously like I think this is the end of the world. And so you made a video saying, don't lose your mind. It's not the end of the world. But now we have coronavirus. And I'm like, you might have been wrong. (laughs) Is this the end of the world? Is that what you're asking me? So um, what are your thoughts? Like, are we seeing signs of the end of the world? We have coronavirus. We had fires. We have wars and rumors of wars. What's really going on, folks? Yeah, let's ask the viewers. Yeah. That could be a reverse This AMA. is what I want to know. Go home 2020, your trunk should be a meme. Yes, I really <laughs> think it should. I'm telling you. 2020 has lost its mind. How are we going to have a war, a rumor of a war, and then fires in Australia, we lose Kobe, and now we have corona? It's That's four things. It's only three months in. <laughs> Go home. All right. Her favorite meme, world's best social distancer, shows picture of Bigfoot. That's true. <laughs> um, in England, they filled the crane arcade games the, that yeah. usually have stuffed animals in them with toilet paper. That's deep. The claw. Yeah. Oh, the claw from um Toy Story. Yeah. What are your best replacements for toilet paper besides paper towels or Kleenex or baby wipes? People do not put toilet pa- I mean paper towels or baby wipes down your toilet you will have a mess that uh, let me just tell you now if you don't want to spend the money you're saving for toilet paper <laughs> on plumbing don't put nothing else down there tell me where you found toilet paper this week dollar tree you guys dollar tree had toilet paper i saw somebody coming out i was on my way to another store This is before the whole quarantine situation. I was on my way to another store. I saw a lady walk out with a package of toilet paper. I I wore a skirt. Yes, I did pull my car over real quick. I said, let me go in here and look. Because we five people. If I can get four rolls, we might be good. At least for two days. Some. So you got 16 rolls of toilet paper for $4. You didn't have to tell people that. They're going to think I'm hoarding. I'm not hoarding. We just have a lot of bathrooms, people. Goodness gracious. Um, Okay. Let's see. My, but my favorite replacement for toilet paper is toilet paper. There is no replacement. I just, I don't know. There is no replacement. Came with a coffee what filter. If, well, when, what did you do when you're out in the bush when you were in Africa? Wet wipe. Ugh. Baby wipe. Yes. So baby wipe. That would be it. Like if I have to replace it with something, it's going to be a baby wipe or something like that. Yeah. Because in the bush, that's what you, that's what you do. I mean, when you're an American in the bush anyway. <laughs> All right, Jeremy says, we may be seeing the end of the world as we know it. I think the fallout and subsequent changes will change things like 9-11 did. Yes, I've been seeing comments on Facebook about making sure that people have their vaccinations before they get on a plane. Like, that could be a real thing. And I was like, what? Like, making sure you get shots, like, for local travel. Not like I'm going to Tanzania and I have to get a shot for yellow fever. But making sure that before I go to Chicago, wow, I am vaccinated. And I was like, wow. Okay. So this could be where we're headed. Yeah. Um, Khan Academy has some great online learning tools. Duolingo for teaching foreign languages. Yes. I love Khan Academy. Um, our, we're always seeing signs of the end of the world from birth 
we're dying. So, yeah. yeah. I And I think Monique and I were talking about this earlier today. You know, there's a sense in which we've been in the end of the age since, since Christ's death. Since Jesus. Yeah. It says in Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two, it talks about how in these last days, Jesus has come and spoken. And yeah. so there was kind of this, this idea in the new Testament that the last days started with Christ and we're in what, what they call, you know, the now and the not yet. Um, the kingdom of God is now in that Holy spirit lives in us. And we're bringing the kingdom of God near or wherever we go. Um, but it's not yet fully realized. Yeah. You know, and so we're in that tension of the now and the not yet. Um, and so in that sense, it, it has been, it, we've been in the last days for a while. But I, I but- also think like, one, it's it's kind of like, how are we defining the term time? Like these are the end times. Yeah. So is what, what is the definition of times or what is the definition of days? One, but two, these things should be reminders to us that these are the last days. We are seeing, you know, wars or we do see plagues and epidemics and all of that. And that should spur us to continue to press on for holiness and to live um, in a way that is edifying to to Jesus. That And that's something that you brought up. Like these are, yes, these are the end times and no man knows the day or the hour. Yeah. And so if we don't know, let this be a reminder to us that we do have a greater hope than what we see today. I like how uh, Peter says it in, in second Peter chapter three, he talks about um, that the way that we ought to respond to living at the end of the age is holiness, that we ought to live a holy life. And I think that we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when it's coming. I mean, People have thought so many times that it was the end. I was just reading this week that in like the 700s, Christians thought it was going to be the end because there was famine and plague and horrible things happening. They thought it was the end. My grandparents thought it was the end of the end in World War II. People thought World War I, they called it the war to end all wars. I mean, we've been through so many times. I mean, I remember... The um, the Y2K scare, um, you know, every other year there's somebody predicting the end of the world. I mean, the world has almost ended like 45 times just in my lifetime. So I'm a little jaded about whether or not this is the end. But I think that no matter what is the end, we need the call is still the same is to live a holy life. All right. What are you doing? You're making all kinds of faces over here. Because, oh my gosh, these comments are great. I'm just going to highlight this one because I saw a meme about it. Um, oh yeah. I think Ryan song. we must've saw the same meme. She says, I saw a meme about um, replacement for TP and swear this is for people more economy minded than I get into that sock drawer and use the ones without a matching one. So the meme was, it was these socks and they were in pairs and there was like a teacher sock standing at the, the door to the dryer. And the sock was like, stay in pairs. Otherwise you're going to end up being toilet paper. And I was like, (laughs) stop it. Some Rachel Johnson said adult diapers. Oh gosh. Um, Maria Kane said, use reusable cloth wipes for all your number ones. That's helped stretch it out. Y'all didn't thought this through. Yes. Um, Ooh, here's one for you. 
What do you believe about the rapture? She said, what do you guys, but I'm just going to go ahead and put that off on you. <laughs> I'll answer in a minute. Huh, what do you believe about it? Oh, I used to think that I think I felt like it was what was taught in school or not in school in, in church. church, in my youth group that like, I'm just going to be, cause they, they had this video with, um, Kirk Cameron and it's like Le- left behind. Okay. So they showed this movie and everybody was doing their thing and, you know, going to work and stuff. And then all of a sudden everybody was gone. Like half the people were there, half the people weren't. And so I was like, Ooh, are, are we just, we just going to go? Well, I, it, I don't in know. my generation, that movie was called uh, a thief in the night. It was a scary Sunday night movie. They would show at church for Sunday night church. That was a, it was a scary movie that we saw during the daytime. Yeah. I was like, we're just going to go look go. it up on YouTube. Thief in the night. That was, that's some, that was like one of the first Christian, like, yeah, it's a Christian horror movie. I don't know. Well, but I don't it was know. scary. They showed it at church and it is all the children get scared straight. Like I better accept Jesus in my heart. I don't want to be left behind. Yeah. But I mean, even, oh, gosh, this brings <laughs> so many, so many questions. So I don't know. Now I'm like, is it gonna be that like the word rapture isn't in the bible so what is it i've i've, I've been in a, a place of of wonderment myself about about such things this was why i was putting it off on you <laughs> well I, I i would say i'm a rapture skeptic uh there's really no historical precedent for the rapture until about 150 years ago so I'm always a skeptic of a belief that's new. So what did what did the old church believe? Not the old church, the, the historic faith. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So Christians have historically believed in, um, you know, I think what offers a good summary is the Nicene Creed, that Jesus is coming again to judge the living and the dead and that we will we will live with him forever. And um I think that that's a good summary. And so what we see historically is that Christians believed in the second coming, Jesus coming, you know, uh, the visible trumpet blowing, you know, coming of the King and coming in judgment. In a twinkling of an eye. Yeah. We don't know when he's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what Christians have historically believed. The idea of the rapture, comes from a guy named Darby who lived in the mid 1800s. And then the view was popularized by a study Bible called the Schofield study Bible that uh, came into existence. I don't know, about 75 to hundred years ago it was part of the fundamentalist movement. And that's really what popularized the view, but there's not a lot of historical precedent for it. So I think I would characterize myself as a rapture skeptic. Is Jesus coming again? Yes. See, yes. so like but I we're not going to have this 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 first like silent departure of all these Christians mm. suddenly. Just you you you're driving down the road and all of a sudden the car is unmanned. See, and that's and, what know, I used to be scared of as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I I could just be I could cause an accident. Yes. No. I, I'm a skeptic of the rapture, the silent departure of the church. I, I only believe in one coming and Jesus coming again. It's just one coming. That's what is this? Thief in the night, baby. 
out there mowing his lawn. Is he going to get taken? This is some Christian cinema, quality Christian cinema right here. Clothes? No, that's a doll. Some little girl got taken. That's a scary doll. The end is... They didn't even finish putting up the sign. Never before has an emergency like this one been contemplated. Yeah. Have stopped all flights. Yeah, that's in the New 1970s version of Left Behind. It's called The Thief in the Night. I know that Jesus is coming back. I don't know where I, I am with... I'm just going to be taken and everybody's going to, you know... See, Jeremy says he saw a thief in the night when he was a kid. See, Jeremy and I are probably the same age. Blast from the past. <laughs> now, Trinity is not in the Bible either. And you're absolutely right about that, Renee. And it, yet it is a very foundational doctrine. And I would say that it's reflected in the historic Christian church mm -hmm. and in the creeds and in these early summaries of our faith. But the rapture is is not the, the this whole idea of the silent yeah. Departure of what we saw there in the movie. That's the rapture. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did you memorize any creeds as part of your homeschool? If so, what were your favorite ones to memorize with kids? Um, I think I had one of the kids memorize the Apostles Creed, which is fairly short. Um, and I think Apostles Creed is a good one to memorize and talk through because it's a good summary of the basics of the Christian faith. I used to teach that when I taught foundations of Christian thought at Biola, I had the students memorize the apostles creed and then we studied it. Um, rhyme his songs, that movie, I would not be caught dead in those shorts. <laughs> and then Kimba says, good thing he was raptured. <laughs> I feel like those shorts were a sin. So, you know, there's that. Um, yes. And Tracy's putting down there the, the, um, kind of the biblical foundation for the idea of the rapture is in first Thessalonians four. There's also a couple of verses in, I think Matthew 24, if I'm not mistaken, but it's just, there's just not a lot of precedent for it. So I'm, I, I in general, I'm a skeptic about novel and, and new beliefs. That's just has served me well in my life. Uh, my son just asked me when we're starting school using air quotes as if, and what if we're late? I told him I'd give him a tardy. That's right. Hand out those tardies. Homeschooling tardies. That's like push-ups. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, goodness gracious. This is great. Uh, Are we done? Because now we're starting to get long. And then you, you hassle me when we get off the air if it's long. No. It's All right. Are there any newly made homeschool parents doing the Pledge of Allegiance now? Yes, that's a good question. I always, I always enjoy a good Pledge of Allegiance. I, Susanna says, I remember being scared as a kid when I couldn't find my parents. Yeah. Yes. About yes. the rapture. I was like 16, though. It wasn't like, <laughs> I was like, oh, when I come home and I expect like people to be in the house and I'm like, but then some of my people in my house, I was like, but nah, some, something else is up. Cause y'all, I don't think y'all going to heaven yet. <laughs> That's wrong. I know. But yeah, you ever walk into a room and you're like, man, everybody, was it just me? Was it just me? Okay. You should watch Andy Wood's video about scripture backing the pre-trib rapture. Yeah. 
I'm sure. Yeah, there are there are scriptures that they point to. I'm I'm not a skeptic about that. There's definitely some scriptures that they can point to. I just, in general, as my methodology as a theologian, I am skeptical of any belief that didn't exist with the early church with the until a hundred years ago. Like that's just my general caution of how I proceed in theology in general. I'm definitely familiar with the scriptural foundation for the idea of the rapture. I just, I'm, like I said, I'm just a rapture skeptic. That's just me. Um, my husband said he showed up at church an hour early during the time change and no one was there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Rapture fears. Yes. That should be like a hashtag on Twitter. Childhood rapture fears. <laughs> These are the things that we endured. Oh God. Yeah, and I was new. Like I didn't get saved until my like mid teen years, like 15, 16, 15. And so then here I am at church and they're like, now, not only are you believing in Jesus who you cannot see, he going to take you. <laughs> like, no, what? What? Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Should we do one more question? Oh, I thought we were going to do the rap. We um, can do that, too. So, let's see. Kind of, uh, oh, I wanted to, to, I had this good uh, Facebook post I wanted to read that's along these lines. It's not a tweet of the week, but this might be a good way to end it. I have no idea who this guy is. He's like just somebody, some dude on Facebook. But I thought this was a great post. I thought would be a good way to end the show. He says, um, here's a little historical perspective and encouragement. The early church faced massive epidemics and Christianity grew during those times. Author and sociologist Rodney Stark outlines these in his book, The Rise of Christianity, which is a very good book, by the way. Highly recommend that book. In AD 165, quote, a devastating epidemic swept through the Roman Empire during the 15 year duration from a quarter to a third of the empire's population died from it, including the emperor. Medical historians believe it was smallpox. Then in 251, another epidemic hit the Roman Empire, which was measles and created equal destruction. Here are the reasons Christianity grew during these epidemics. Christianity offered a much more satisfactory account of why these terrible times had fallen upon humanity. And it projected a hopeful and even enthusiastic portrait of the future. That was a big theme we really touched on on last week's show of of hope. Um, Christian values of love and charity had been translated into norms of social service and community solidarity. With the death of lots of people, social networks were destroyed, and so many people who were not believers began to make a shift into Christian circles and networks, which eventually led to many conversions. Here are some takeaways for our current pandemic based on Stark's analysis. Let us speak of our hope in Jesus Christ and the eternal life that is available in him. Love your neighbors, even those on social media, for we're all in this together Let us pray now for opportunities that will exist once our quarantines are over, opportunities to love and befriend those who do not know the hope we have in Jesus. I thought that's such a a good thought. And, And just to say, like, I really hope that people will look at this as being an interesting and amazing supernatural moment. 
that this could actually be our finest hour as a church. And this could be um, a push forward for the advance of the gospel. Uh, it's getting a lot of people's attention. It's, it's causing a lot of people to ask questions about life and death. And is it the end of the world? And, and Christians have a message of hope that we can share with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that because of him, his death and resurrection, we too will rise and Easter is coming. And this is a great mixture cocktail, whatever you want to call it for evangelism. Like let's jump on that moment and help people, let them see our kindness, let them see our networks, let them see what we are and, uh, just the difference that Christ really makes in our lives and in the world. It's a good word. We have a question from Facebook. Yes, I didn't know we had a question on yeah, Facebook. There's one right there. Look on the screen. Look on the screen. Okay. I saw an interesting post a couple of weeks ago, I think, regarding our identity as Christians. I was very surprised by the answer, so I thought I would ask for your thoughts. Is a Christian a saint or a sinner or both? Is sin a matter of the heart or is the idea that our heart is evil or has sin a contradiction to what was transformed in us at the moment of salvation? Boy, is that a great question. Yes. What? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my answer. Go ahead. Okay. You got to have this this way though. Sorry. Okay. So, My thinking on this has kind of shifted a bit over the, over the years. Um, when I was reformed, I was always taught that I was just a wretched sinner or that I was a forgiven sinner, that there was no functional difference between me and the pagan walking down the street other than I was forgiven. This was the message. I'm not saying all reformed people believe this. I'm only sick because I get people writing to me (laughs) and they say, well, I've never heard that. I go to a reformed church. I'm only saying this is what I was taught at multiple reformed churches in Southern California when I was reformed. I can't speak for reformed churches in Michigan or anywhere else. But when I was reformed, I heard Sunday after Sunday, a message to the effect of there was no difference between me and the pagan on the street, other than I was a forgiven sinner. I don't think I agree with that anymore. Um, when I look at scripture, I see so many scriptures where my identity is in Christ, that I am a child of God, that I am a sister in the Lord to other people that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, that I am, that the same power lives in me that rose, uh, that raised Jesus from the dead, that I am not just forgiven, but that I am a saint, that I am the church. Um, I am clean. I am sanctified. I I am free. Um, I am delivered. There's all of these things that are part of my identity And when there's really only one strong statement that I can find where Paul says that he's a sinner and he calls himself the chief of sinners. But 
it's unclear to me in the context whether when he calls himself that, if he's referring to himself before his salvation or in that current moment. But there are so many words that God declares over us about our identity that are so positive. And I don't see a lot of descriptions of us being sinners after we're saved. Now, do we still sin? Yes. yes. And we, you know, it says in first John that we should not say that sin is not in us, you know, that, that we do sin, but our identity, yes. I think is different than that. And so it's like when I tell my children, you're my child, I love you. Um, we have a relationship. Now, do they still make mistakes? Yes, but that doesn't change their identity. And so I don't think we have an identity in the father's perspective. I don't think he pronounces over us the way that he relates to us as you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my thought about it. What are, what are, what are your thoughts? Before I share my thoughts, I'm going to read the original um, post. She said, it was in reference to this quote, um, sin is a matter of the heart before it is ever an issue of our behavior. This means that your and my biggest problem in life lies inside us and not outside us. So I must confess that I am my biggest problem. I am in desperate need of the grace that is alone able to rescue me. Um, I think. Where is that? It's on Facebook. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It was a quote by. Okay. It's on the screen now. Paul David Tripp. Oh, yes. okay. All right. Now let me read it. All right. Go ahead and tell your opinion. Um, I think it's a both and. I think that I do sin. Um, I am definitely human and have my, my humanity to war with. Um, but I think it's like you said, my identity is in Christ. Um, and not in my sin nature, not in the things that I have been like redeemed from. I've been redeemed from that curse, that, that, um, identity that I used to live in and I live in something new. So it's kind of like adoption. So before I came into the family, I lived over here. But now I'm in the family. My name is changed. And yes, are there things that may still that I may still do that are part of that old rhythm? Because that's what I learned. Yes. But will 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 he work that out with me because I'm a part of the, I'm a child now I'm in the family. Yeah. That doesn't mean that just because I have some of these tendencies from my my pre-adopted life that I'm not in the family. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that that is the identity piece. Can you can you put that quote back up there a minute? Um, I'm pretty sure that Paul David Tripp is reformed. Mm. And this quote sounds very much like reformed theology mm. of what I was taught, is that the enemy is is in you, is inside of us, not outside of us. And I mean, I guess I agree with that if you're going to say that, I still sin because I still, you know, we all, we all sin. We all make mistakes. But to me, there's a difference between saying I sin and I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. To me, an an identity statement is an I am statement. 
And I don't see anywhere in the New Testament where God pronounces that over us as an identity statement after we are saved, after we are washed, cleansed, sanctified, a chi- his child. I can't find where it says that I am a sinner as an identity. I, that's, and I thought that's what she was asking. And, and that I guess I'm, I'm thinking about when I was reformed, the Holy Spirit almost had no power in mm-hmm. the way that it was preached, had no transformative power. And Bob, you can jump in here. You were reformed with me. I've never and, been reformed. So. <laughs> I mean, it, it was preached in such a way that that Holy Spirit really made no difference in your life. It was there. He lived in you, but it really didn't make any difference because all you were at the end of the day was just still a sinner. And I never heard messages of like, you're a child of God. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're, you're loved. You're the heavenly father is your father. You know, like we never heard those things when I was reformed. And I guess I, 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 maybe I just have a little bit of theology PTSD from being reformed, but I, I, I bristle from this idea that like, you know, all of my problem is just inside of me because Holy Spirit lives in me. Yeah. And he changes us and he transforms us as we cooperate with him. So I'm always a little hesitant of just telling people as an identity statement that they're a sinner. I don't know if that makes sense to anyone. Yeah, so. I, I hear what you're saying. I think um, as our identity, no. And yet, do we sin Yes. yes, yes. Just as my children make mistakes, but it doesn't change the relationship. It doesn't change their identity. They're still my child. Yeah. They, they still have favor, you know, all of these things. Oh. What? Theo. This one was about to sign off. It's getting good. Um, or, I mean, not that it wasn't good before. Um, but... Theo says, are Christian universalists saved? See, and I kind of find that as an oxymoron. And maybe I'm wrong for that. Maybe that's just, you know, the judgment in my own heart. Are Christian universalists saved? Well, first first we have to define the term here. Yes. So I'm going to leave that up to you, Theo. Well, I don't know. I I don't know what he's referring to. I would have to make the assumption that I know what he's talking about. Uh, Well, define universalists. Well, typically universalists are people who believe that everybody's saved, even if you don't have explicit um, saving knowledge in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ's death and, and resurrection, mm-hmm. that you don't have to have explicit knowledge. Now, do they also believe that there is no real hell? They tend to also be people who deny the doctrine of hell. And they hold, and I'm just asking because I know one or two people who hold to universalist views. Mm -hmm. And so in in these conversations, there's also been conversation that there's no real need for Jesus, um, but that to show us how bad we really were, God sent someone, but we didn't necessarily like need Jesus. Yeah, they tend to... to believe that we're all God's children. Mm-hmm. You don't become God's child by believing in explicit faith in Jesus. 
you're created in his image and you're his child. Jesus came to kind of show us what sacrificial love looked yes. like. Yes. But he didn't actually do any atoning work on the cross. That's not necessary. Yeah. That, that's forgiveness and all of that isn't necessary because you are already a child of God. Now, that tends to be yeah. what they believe. Now, see, yeah. I said I see that as an oxymoron because I don't know that you can like there. There are certain foundational tenets to the Christian faith. And if you hold to certain beliefs that are outside of the Christian faith, wouldn't that be heresy? Or like some uh, kind of walk that means yeah, that you're I mean, not really truly uh, walking in Christianity. At, at some point, you're not walking in Christianity. I would say that you've you've departed from the historic Christian faith. Yeah. I mean, you're you're we think of I like to think of orthodoxy as sort of a circle. And, you know, there, there's some beliefs that are just outside the circle. You, you've you've departed from the faith of, of what Christians have historically believed. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're outside of the things that Christians have believed, the things that we hold as being true, mm-hmm. the atonement. Yeah. At that point, I would say you're not a Christian, but maybe that's just the judgment. Maybe that's my own heart. Y'all pray for me. I am a work in progress. Well, I, 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 but And I'm, I know you're, you're, you're super gracious and you're like, I'm hesitant to call anyone a non-Christian or, you know, and that's okay. That's fine too. I just want to be like, look, th- if this is the circle and you over here in the square, you might not be a part of the circle. I think it's worth uh, having some careful reflection in yourself about, you know, making sure of your salvation. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the church has preserved the, the faith and, and we continue and, and, and try to walk in that, but I'm not in a position to judge the eternal destination of somebody's soul. That's the part of it that I feel uncomfortable with because I, I, I think that that's Jesus's job. I don't, I can't look in their heart. I don't know where they're at, but I would say that those beliefs are definitely incompatible with the historic Christian See, faith. like I'm saying, you might be playing in the square while we in the circle. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that you're going to hell. Like that's not my judgment call to make. What I can say is that this isn't how Christians have believed. And so to me, a Christian universalist would yeah. be an oxymoron. Yeah. I know you probably won't say that, but there's me. Okay, Rhyme His Songs has said, if you have you watched The Chosen? Okay, so we're going to have a little conversation about The Chosen. I really want to watch it. I don't know what this is. What is The Chosen? It's, it's a TV series about Jesus. Okay. Oh, it's free all this week. Yeah. I really want to watch this. Okay. We should watch it. Here's why we haven't watched it. The guy that they cast in the film uh-huh. as Jesus uh-huh. is white. And I haven't brought this up because I knew it was going to be all this big conversation potentially. There, that is not true. I don't know that I would have had. Really? Is he, is he got, what? He had like the long flowy no, hair, no, 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 like no. the Jesus of no, like he, he my kind of youth. looks like he could sort of pass for Middle Eastern, but he's a white guy. I looked it up and I've been in this moral dilemma about bringing this up because I know you have strong feelings about the whole white Jesus problem. No, my strong feelings are like when you you watch like when I I remember being in um, in youth group and I, 
youth group is coming up a lot for me today. Um, being in youth group and they would show us like this movie with Jesus in it and he had like long blonde flowing hair. Jesus had like a pressing curl and blue eyes and I'm just like, I don't really know that that's... All the white viewers are like, what the heck is a pressing curl? I don't know that that's what Jesus looked like. Like if he was... A Middle Eastern guy, wouldn't his hair be a little different? Wouldn't his skin be a little different? Or like the big Jesus. That kind of, you know, the big Jesus at Biola when I was there, you know, he definitely. They've darkened him up. They did darken him up a little bit, you know. But I just, that was, that was it. But, um, yes, yes. I've been, I've been in such a dilemma about it. So we'll have to check it, try to check it out this week. The Chosen. Because I've heard good things about it. Okay. I've heard it's a, it, it's pretty good. Annette so. said, there are plenty of white Jews. I believe that, Annette. I, I, I know like Latin American Jews. I know white Jews. Um, my point is that if he came from the Middle Eastern region, I don't know that he would necessarily look the way that he's been portrayed throughout a lot of my years in church. Yeah. Uh. Mo, we love you. And our immune systems are going to make it because of you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, and Monique uh, will be sending you a prayer cloth after this. <laughs> no, no, no. I ain't, I ain't about to to get on the wrong side of the Lord with that one. Uh, are we going to wrap it up here? We've been talking like almost two goodness. hours. Goodness. Ryman Song says, I would love to use this time to watch more about the authority of the believer. Any mm. recommendations on that topic online or for free? Okay, so here's my here's my dilemma with that. I'm getting this question every other day. I don't know. I feel like the Lord's trying to tell me something. Uh, you're like the 45th person who's asked me this question in the last two weeks. And I, I I struggle with what to recommend because there's so much kooky stuff out there. And yet I do believe that walking in your authority as a Christian is a real thing. And it it needs to be taught. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be done in a biblically grounded way, but there's so much kooky stuff out there. And so I'm always really hesitant to recommend anything in public because I don't want people to go down a kooky path. And so I don't, I don't know if I can really recommend anything. Why don't um, you write something? Stop it. Stop it. You see, see y'all here I am coming with a good idea, feeling led by the spirit of the Lord. And here <laughs> I am being openly rebuked. <laughs> I think she should write something. If you think everything out there is kooky, write something. I think the people out there talking about race is crazy. So I'm going to do something. <laughs> Yeah. So I've been thinking about, come on, diamond. We waiting. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been thinking about actually doing some kind of a online class, but I, I'm not sure I can get enough people to sign up for this crazy thing. Um, but I, I want to do some teaching about it. Um, but it's just, it's hard. I know what you can watch. You can go to my YouTube channel, look under playlists and find the playlist called Ministering Like Jesus. There's a teaching series I did that like three people on the planet have watched. But I do walk people through this issue 
um, in a pretty good way. So you can go check that out. It's called Ministering Like Jesus. If you can find the playlist, um, you, you'll get bonus points because it's really hard to find. She'll put the playlist in the show notes. How okay. about that? Yeah. So, um, but I, I, I do think that the issue of, of understanding our authority in Christ is a thing. And I do have a, this teaching series on ministering like Jesus that, uh, Oh, they calling you out. Come on through, y'all. Yes. Look at this. Nikki, Diamond, you have Corona time right. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Rhyme His Song says, Krista, we all saw your post this week on board. Should have not said that now. Mo, giving you homework. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come on, y'all. Come on. Okay, I think Bob's got the... Uh... I can't find yeah, see, I, I know. It's like bonus points if you can find the playlist. It's called Ministering Like Jesus. We're going to find it and we will yeah. put it in the show notes. But people. it's like 10 parts or something. But it's a wonderful series that three people have watched. I, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Nobody's watched it. It's some great stuff. Oh, gosh. Okay, my, my battery's about to die. Well, we can work on my computer. Okay. All right. That's... I can't believe these people are still hanging in there with this foolishness. Um, Mel- Melanie says we lean more reformed in our theology, but seek very much to have a balance. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about balance. And I will tell you, when I was reformed, I re- that's when I really learned the Bible. That's on Facebook. You know, that's that's when I really learned scripture is uh, is when I was reformed. So. All right. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe it is time to go. We've been, All right, we've let's been go on for a while. Yes. All right. Um, so the show where we had no topic, it, is. it actually worked out. Yes. Any any other questions before we go? No, no more questions. Post them now. <laughs> no. You can stump no a scholar. Questions. She's a scholar. You can stump a scholar, or you can be kind to an ordinary person. <laughs> Ask Monique all your tricky racial questions. Come on, people. No, there are no tricky racial questions. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, really, Pinocchio? There's no tricky racial questions. You want to talk about reparations? There's something we've never talked about. Ugh. What is your take on reparations? <laughs> 40 acres on a mule? <laughs> I'm not qualified. I'm white. Oh, that's That's a thought. I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, seriously, thank you for all the things. Go, Bob. Yay. Um, I'm getting sleepy. It's 1048. My goodness. Yes. On the East Coast. Um, good night and happy gaming, Bob and girls. How can you learn so much scripture and not understand imputed righteousness? I don't know. Um, good night, Nikki. Oh, yes. Oh, that was Susanna. Um, go all the things, team. Good. All right. Love you. God bless. See you you next next week. week. Bye bye.